Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Fourth part of our generosity. Where are we now? Where are we? Sixth part of our generosity series. <coughs> and um, wasn't there something, there was something really on that song that Scully led, Come and Blow On Through. Come and do what only you can do. All the best preaching in the world, all the best preparation in the world can only really come to it, bear its fruit if the Holy Spirit comes and ignites the word and, and breathes upon a word. And our response to that word is to be awake. Our response is not, oh, it's another Sunday evening, I will or will not take what is on offer. Our response is to say, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I believe that everybody sitting in this room came because the Holy Spirit led them. You can do better than that. Because you're talking about yourself and your destiny. You chose to come because the Holy Spirit said, go. So we would be a foolish people to come into the house of God unexpectant. Why would he waste our time missing, I don't know what's on on a Sunday night, <laughs> we're never there, um, watching if, why wouldn't we go and do that if we weren't expectant? Hey, we have to be an expectant people. We get served up, and I use that word, amazing, incredible preaching in this place. But it can slip over into, yeah, that's great. But we're, we're, No, no, let's come expectant. Because when you are an expectant, when I'm expectant, something happens. You know, we've been talking about the leaders, about responding. Why? Because when we respond to the word of God, it draws out something in the spirit. Something breaks off in the spirit. When we re- reply, when we align ourselves with the word of God, when I say amen to what Pastor Caleb was sharing this morning, I align myself with the word of God. There is an impact. There is a cross-section of heaven on earth that happens and we see in the spirit and something that from the spirit world comes to earth and is birthed in our lives. That's what's happened when we say yes and amen to, to the word of God. So we're preaching on the generosity of time. Pastor Caleb brought an amazing word this morning and you can get that thoroughly um, recommended and ask you to listen to that podcast because it was incredible. Now he brought great examples of how when asked how much time people... I'm not going to... I'll give a quick overview because it fits in with what I want to say. He brought a great example of how when asked how much time people spent on leisure and activities and entertainment, for example, they always estimated it to be less than it was in reality. So, for example, they were asked, how many hours TV do you watch? They said 14 hours. It was actually 28 hours. Uh, our free time, we have 168 hours a week. Um, and... Free time, uh, when you take out sleep and work, we're left with 56 hours a week, which is quite a bit of time that we spend on ourselves very often. Free time. What are we going to do with it? I know you have an online life. I know you have a Netflix life. I know you have a sports life. I know you have a social life. Everyone, I love a social life. Amen? Yeah. Do you have a prayer life? Yeah. 
good. Doing better than I thought. I suspect you have a Facebook presence, an Instagram presence, a social presence, even a church presence. But do you have a current experience of God's presence in your life? Not a week ago, not the last album, that was amazing. But do you have the presence of the living God? Are you taking the time? Are you using your time generously giving back to the Father so that he can give back to you? The generosity of time. I want to touch a bit on this tonight. Now, when was the last time you went home from church and said, I just need to sit in the presence of God? I actually don't need to put on another podcast. I don't need to watch something. I just actually need to sit in the presence of God and let, like, let the water hit the coffee grinds and let it percolate through. All the best preaching in the world is secondhand unless we take it and say, Holy Spirit, come and breathe on this. Pastor Caleb also said, quietness <clears throat> invites prayer. And I thought I had. Caleb was like, I'm not sure that the still small voice of God ever stops speaking to us. I suspect we just let it get drowned out with a whole heap of petty voices clamoring for our attention. Whatever that means to you. You know, talking about still small voices, I just wanted to quickly say something about um, the uh, Prophetic Ignite group that Pastor Craig is currently le uh, leading. And as most of you know who are involved in that, we put it on hold to the end of the year. <clears throat> and it's always interesting uh, going to a people who love the prophetic, who are prophetic, and telling them something that they didn't see coming. And I don't say that lightly. I, when I went away and prayed, I heard the still, small voice of God. Now, I heard him say, Pastor Craig is doing an incredible job. He's an honourable man of God. But I want you to put this on hold, and I want you and Pastor Heather and Trish and Craig to get together over the next three months and pray into what it's going to look like next year. So, if you are impacted by this decision, positively or negatively, put trust in the gap. Put trust in the gap. See, we're going to be absolutely praying into the future of what it's going to look like and what God wants to be. Because we believe, Pastor Grace said to me, I feel like change is coming, and I believe that too. So change is always for the better in God. You don't sound convinced, but change is always for the better in God. We don't always understand, but change is always for the better in God. So what are you going to do if you were part of that group? Well, the worst thing you could do is not use your gift. You've got plenty of opportunities to be prophetic in this house. Praying for people. Getting words for people. Encouraging them. Nothing's changed. It only changes if our heart changes. So we need to keep an open heart and actually pray for us as we pray into the future of it. Amen? Good. So use your gift wisely. Um, so my time away uh, when I went away to pray was I was off 
Facebook for four days. Nobody knew, nobody died, nobody cared, and nobody got offended. But here, my heart, if we spent as much time promoting and nurturing our real-time, real-life friendships as we do our online friends, people we once said hello to at a wedding engagement party, event, conference. And they said, can I add you on? You've never spoken to them since. Let me say one statement, and I do believe this, and it's not to be inflammatory. When we spend half the time in real-time relationships, our church will be standing room only electric. We will be overflowing into the car park if it was legal to do so. And a move of God will break out. And I believe that as we go into 2020... That is God, God's challenge for us is, hey, get off your phone, get off your computer, get off your entertainment and invest in my house and I will invest in your house. If you will invest your time, so I don't know what you thought generosity of time was going to be about, but it's actually quite confronting. Invest in me, I will invest in you. That's what God says, that's what Jesus said. If you abide in the vine you will get the fruit. If you don't abide in the vine, you won't get the fruit. It's not my words, it's what Jesus said. So I'm going to do a little poll here just to lighten the mood. Who said all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us? Was it Paul the Apostle? Thank you, Fred, put your hand down. Was it Paul the Apostle? Was it James, or is that found in Proverbs? All we have to decide, it could be the message or the Passion Translation. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Was it Paul the Apostle? All right, hands up if you think it was Paul the Apostle. Hands up if you think it was James. James is winning. How about Proverbs? You're all wrong. Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> so, all we have to do to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Very wise words. <laughs> I will get to some scripture as well. So my message, though, is about living aware of the time and the season of God that we're currently in. See, when we live synchronized to heaven's timepiece, to the clock in heaven, not copying the beats and the rhythms of our world, this world, our lives will come into an unbelievable peace. And anxiety and FOMO will be forever a thing of the past. When we come into heaven's time, rather than what we want to do, stuff will happen. Stuff will break out all over the place. Does anyone here want to subscribe to that sort of freedom? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I want to live in that. We live in an age, a season, a time of generosity. God has pronounced this a time, a season of generosity. Why? It's referred to in Ephesians as the dispensation of grace. The dispensation, the time, the period of grace. So there's a little simple theolo theology approaching. There's a little warning there. 
the Bible is divided up into three dispensations of time. Uh, from, so from God to Adam and Eve, God to Moses, and then God to Jesus. And then, so, and then Jesus, sorry, God to um, what he called the dispensation of grace. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened heaven's gate. He, he released upon the earth the freedom and the relationship with God so that we can know relationship with him. So the dis- first two dispensations that I mentioned, they were relevant for that time period, but they've expired. The third, this current dispensation of grace, is the time that we live in now. We have to understand that we live in this time of grace because if we don't, we will not use our time wisely because we will be concerned about sin and what sin does to us. See, many Christians are unaware of these divisions, these dispensations, and therefore still trying to live according to the Mosaic law administered by the high priests. If we make this mistake, we remain sin conscious because we're still trying to make relevant the requirements of a time that is no longer valid. Jesus did away with those dispensations. We're now in the season, the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Why is it important to know what dispensation we are in? Because it will end one day. And the whole story of this world and all the people in it will be wrapped up forever. So what he's saying is people move in the dispensation of grace. Use the time that you have wisely. Use it to impact the world. Use it to impact your brothers and sisters. Use it to impact society. Use it to go to Uganda and do a conference. Use it to go to Mizraim to teach students how to go back and might even lay down their life. But use it wisely. I want to tell you, I'm not ashamed to say it is a great investment to serve in the house of God. It's a great investment of your time to serve in the house of God and serve out there. Hebrews 10, 11, 13 explains it really well. So we read this together. It says, Yet every day priests still serve ritually, offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. But when this priest had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for All time, he sat down on a throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turned into his footstool. You see, most believers might, I don't know, might not, you might believe in time travel. We might not give much thought to time travel. But when we live under the law, conscious of sin, we have traveled back to a time that no longer exists. We live now consciously aware that Jesus offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin, for all time. But what happens, what can happen to us is we sin, we become conscious of sin, and for some reason we go, I need to spend time on the naughty chair. I deserve this. I deserve actually to be out of relationship with Jesus, and once I've done the right thing, I will come back, and he will accept me, and we'll do it all over again. You don't deserve separation from your father for sin. You deserve death, but what you got was grace. And that's the difference. 
we try and punish ourselves for sin. And it wrecks us and it makes us people that actually aren't effective in the kingdom because we become sin-focused. The devil doesn't have to get Christians um, to physically flagellate themselves, which is whipping yourselves. I think Kayla would enjoy this. The word, flagellate. It just, it's a, a mouthfeel word, flagellate. The word. No, not the actions, yes. Absolutely. Now, Caleb would not enjoy that. The whip and... He doesn't have to get you to do that because he does it to you in your mind. You're an idiot. You always fall for this. Your family were like that and you're like that. You will never be free. And you've travelled back in time that no longer, to a place that no longer exists when we live in the age, the dispensation of grace, because Jesus' gift to us is and was and always will be enough. Yeah. <clears throat> what happens? I've got caught up in sin or wrong thinking or habits, so I'll pull away from the church, I'll pull away from relationships, I'll stop serving. I'll fix this by contemplation and self-reflection. So, you'll fix the poor thinking by more thinking. Wow. Great solution. This is how it is in my family. We have a weakness, a genetic flaw, and a dark past. But that could go for every single one of us in this room. Because you only know three or four generations back. Isn't that interesting? Like, we go, oh, my dad, it was him. Or you might be going, oh, my family are all preachers, hallelujah, seven generations, you know, I don't know. But the truth is, we don't know what happened in our previous, because it doesn't matter. Because we have been set free, because we are not back there, we're here. Jesus came for your genetic flaw, your dark past, your unmentionable secret. You see, just ask any one of us sitting here. Some of you, might want, there might be people who have just come back to church. I don't know. But you ask any one of us. None of us will be happy to have our lives go up as a short movie on the screen. But it doesn't matter because Jesus dealt with that. And I can live in that movie or I can live in the now. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is righteous and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So which part of that verse, if we confess our sin, he's righteous and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which part of that verse speaks of sitting out on the naughty chair? Which part speaks about the passing of time before you are clean enough again to come back into relationship with Jesus? There's no mention of time. And yes, thought bubbles, fruits of repentance, hallelujah, yes, amen. But the initial thing is get back in the presence of God, just do it. Don't hold out on him. He can deal with the stuff, but you're trying to deal with the stuff. So he can't deal with the stuff. So get your hands off the stuff and get into his presence and he'll deal with the stuff. It says in that... Hebrews 10, if you could go back to that Hebrews 10 verse, 
please, where it says, yet everyday priests still serve ritually, offering the same sacrifices again and again. Sacrifices that can never take away sin's guilt. Um, But when this priest, it goes on. So what does that mean? It says they still serve. It means to assume an office which must be administered at one's own expense. So you pay the price to actually try and sort your sin out. That's what it's saying. We become like the priests that are still sacrificing, saying Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. So instead of taking on the role of the priest ministering to God, you start ministering about yourself, trying to minister and get yourself back in favor with God when he never took his favor away. Dispensation of grace. It's so important to realize the season that we are in is open heaven. You don't realize how free you are because people out there believe if you put this up, you get seven years bad luck. (laughs) Open heaven. Open the windows of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. And we've got our umbrella up. But you don't understand. I'm watering my life with the tears. I'm a wretch. Let it rain. Let it rain. Back off, I'm doing it. There's nothing between us and an open heaven. So stop putting your umbrella up. We mustn't miss or misunderstand the season that we're in. Because if we do, we'll be doing things that aren't going to ever fruit. We'll be sowing seeds that it's just not the right season. You don't sow potatoes in summer. Maybe you're doing Queensland, but you don't in England, where I'm birthed and obviously still very much in touch with. Um, you don't put your potatoes in summer, you put them in the winter and then they do it. The thing is, our effort, our time, our generosity needs to be sown into what will be fruitful. You know, we have one time offers. You know, one time off, I book this holiday now and blah, 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 blah. We, you know, we make a choice to do it or not. Free gym membership. Caleb talked about that this morning. You know, free, free gym. Of course, it comes up every six months, this once-in-a-lifetime offer. It was like that Rugs a Million ad. I don't know if you remember. Rugs, Rugs a Million. Going out of business. I don't even know how that was legal. It's like going out of business. Everything must go. One rug left. Limited time only. <laughs> Rugs a million. One time offer. See, that's how we, we have this, that's how we take God. One time offer. No dispensation of grace. Sure, the Holy Spirit has come to take us, lead us to walk us out of sin, out of a life of sin, where we don't do stuff. But if we do do stuff, 
we have an advocate with the Father. And he says, come on back to me. It's not a one-time offer. But it's a one-time offer within the dispensation of grace. But one day it will end, which is why that causes us to go, I need to sow and be generous with my time wisely. Okay. Number one, these are fairly quick points. The before and after effect of, of generosity. So Psalm 34, verse 1 to 6 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. There's the key word, times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Get excited whenever you like. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. That's good. That means you're humble because you just got glad. Magnify the Lord with me. That was pathetic. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. I sought, I seek, seeked. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. When I get delivered from my fears, I sow generously. Fear causes me to withdraw. It causes me to be of no effect in the house of God. It makes me go, I will come off the service team. I will come off the stage. I will stop everything until I put this right. I need to sort this out. Fear will not stop us when we bless the Lord with our mouth, when we declare over our life the truth of God. I will bless the Lord at all times. I used to think that all Christians were like Kimmy Ewart. And I will now find my notes so I can <laughs> finish that sentence. Like Kimmy Hewitt and Mother Teresa. Constantly happy. Constantly serving. Constantly constant. They knew the Bible backwards. Never swore. Took in stray cats and people. So I don't have to take the stray cats in. Hallelujah, Jesus. But if the enemy can get you to compare with somebody who's farther ahead of you in the journey and who has put into practice for 40 odd years, I will bless the Lord at all times. And why aren't I like that? It's because it's the before and after effect. Can we put up that photo of the before and after fat man, thin man? Yes. I don't know who this is. But this is, I just love, love that he's got two cans of Coke or whatever they are. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get thin. This is him there with his Superman shirt on. It's pretty impressive. But I believe the church has sold itself, people short, in its eagerness to get the gospel to a hurting world. It says, before Jesus... After you meet Jesus. And you might feel like this for the first week or so or more. For years, there are some people that just massively, massively, massively change. And then... But you know, a before quickly becomes an, sorry, an after quickly becomes a for, before if you don't follow the diet, don't follow the lifestyle, don't change what you consume. And don't change your exercise habits. So is there a buy-in to the gospel? Absolutely. 
It's not works, but remember we went through James, so I don't have to explain all that. We're not talking about works versus this or that, the other. There is part where the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to work with you to change this. Why do people, most people give up the gym? It's because it doesn't happen quick enough. You know, Fred says, he probably says it better, but he says, give God the same amount of time to work on your life that you're allowed a life of sin and death to work on you and see the transformation. See, sometimes we just give up too quick, too easily, too soon. I'll give you one of the simplest, most effective ways of spending your time because I was a kid, you know my testimony, parents divorcing, I was lost in depression, um, just really lost. And then I learnt to declare and I learnt to praise and I learnt to worship and I learnt the Lord, I learnt with the Lord to allow him to deal with my fears and the before became the after. See, a psalmist wasn't necessarily saying, this is where I am, I'm always like this. I just... You know, that, that scripture, it says, pray without ceasing, which Caleb mentioned this morning. Pray without ceasing. Well, that used to throw me. I was like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. There's nothing in me wants to pray without ceasing. Don't look at me like you do. That, but that's when I'm with my natural mind, isn't it? When I'm actually in the presence of God, it's like, I don't ever leave. Don't look at me like that. You're the same. <laughs> But I learned one thing, is that I could change the soundtrack in my head from, you will never break free, you will never be free, you will always be someone who has a tendency to be depressed. I could change that soundtrack by moving into the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to move. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be a mouth. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from my fears. This is an amazing use of your time. Did you know that there is a you, talking about time travel, there is a you that is 10 years in the future. I mean, we're not there yet. I realize that. But God knows beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. There's a, there's a, a, there is a Paris that is 48 years old. I'm not talking about weirdness. And it's the direct result of seeds, great seeds, that Paris is sowing in her life now. I'm sorry, there's a connection. An old lady... I know, said, when we asked her, how, how did you become so sweet and a sweet old lady? I practiced all my life. Wow. See, there is no future us that we're not connected to now. There is no generosity of time when you're 50 if there's no generosity of time now. For you freak... I'm not preaching fatalism because you always hear me speaking about the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. So I, he corrects. I get that. But he works with us in our generosity of time. Okay.
Two. I've only got three thoughts, so I'm done. This is a fairly quick one. Generational church. What do we mean by that? I was down at Horizon Church where the Prime Minister goes. Amazing church, amazing conference. Just wonderful. They, they treated Fred and I so well. They were uh, just so caring. They had a 106-year-old, in the, the oldest man in New South Wales, uh, in the congregation, worshipping Jesus. It was actually, there's a clip of it on um, Channel 7 uh, where they interviewed him. And, and sometimes we think a generational church means from womb to death. That is true. That is, but I'm actually seeing, and I think we've caught a hold of something that is more than that. Generational church is actually, hey, I want to set up my grandkids to have an environment of life and a life in the spirit. See, I never met the psalmist, but he has influenced my life completely. Your new highway, so if you've just joined the church here, KCC, your new highway was someone else's roadworks, traffic jam and inconvenience. This highway that is KCC, and I believe we are a highway, there's a call of God on that to be a highway for people to come and walk with us in it's different to other churches I'm happy about that I'm relaxed about that this highway, this community this highway of biblical teaching and great preaching this highway of worship this highway of family was once a dirt track trodden by a few and then upgraded to what you see today somebody stepped out and made a track Hebrews 10, verse 23, 25, for time's sake, I'm just going to pull out verse 25, which says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Time. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Let me just challenge us as a church. Stick around long enough, and you will be able to say to your kids and your grandkids that this 10-lane superhighway that you enjoy was once just a highway with two lanes. I don't believe we're called so much to spend time in church, although that's amazing, but to sow our time into church, to sow into this community and family that is our church. There is a connection between the words generation and generous. Generous, generosity, generous means to be of noble birth, the original word, noble birth. That means doing the right thing. Noble means to do the right thing when you don't need to or when no one's watching. That's nobility, doing the right thing. In, especially in Britain, it's come to mean nobility has come to mean I'm better than you by birth. Like, I've got it made, you haven't. See, that's warped thinking according to the Bible. You see, noble means living by a higher set of laws and privilege to bless others. That is generosity. And then to tie it in with generations, generation, it comes from the same root word, gene, gene, means to bring to birth, to bring into being So to bring into birth, bring into being, and with that thought in mind, we are doing something here for people that we might never see or ever meet. That's the generosity of time that you're sowing. I'm excited for a church that sows into people like Abraham, who didn't know where he was going, but he sowed his time into getting there. And he went a long time between drinks of water of the presence of God. I just, we read the Bible as, oh, Abraham heard God, Abraham heard God. There's sometimes like 10 and 20 years between those things. 
Unfortunately, we don't experience it like that. But be committed to a church like this. Get the band up. That'd be amazing. Thank you. My third finishing point. The ancient art of waiting. And this is a really good one. It's like, oh, God. Who wants to wait when you can have it now? But the fact is, there are some things in God that you are worth waiting for. And I expected a bigger amen than that. There are some things in God that are worth waiting for. So are we as a church where we believe we should be? It's not a loaded question. No. But are we on a pilgrimage? Are we going into a promised land? Are we setting ourselves up? Are we declaring over our future? Are we blessing God at all times? Are we sowing generously into the life of the church? Are we giving ourselves as people? Yes, we are. Waiting time is well spent. I know this isn't popular. Waiting time, if you look in your Bible, just look at the word wait in your concordance. It's all over the place. Wait on God, wait on God, wait on God, wait on God. We like to move instantly, don't we? This is why what Caleb was talking about this morning is don't hear God put on a podcast. Don't hear them put on a TV program. Don't wait. Don't take any time to wait. Just fill the space. I believe as a church we're going to come more and more into creating a space for God to speak to us and move. With that in mind, I just you know, won't give you the details, but in January we're going to be um, having 100 hours of adoration. Uh, you're not expected to be there for 100 hours, but we will be having the church open for 100 straight hours where we worship day and night, we pray day and night, and there'll be a few people here and then there'll be a load of people here and we're going to end it with a, like a worship um, celebration at the end of it one night because we're going to create a space for God in 2020 and if we create a space if we create that culture God will move He will speak to us He will do what only He can do I'll give you more details on that James 1 just finishing up consider it a sheer gift friends when tests and challenge come at you from all sides you know that under pressure your faith life is forced out into the open the good old King James says I can quote it word for word because that's what I was brought up count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this that the trial of your faith work is patience let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing full stop time let it work in you let patience have its work in you. Wait on God, count it all joy. Waiting rooms, a thing of the past. You don't go to a doctor's waiting room anymore. You just go to the surgery. There used to be waiting rooms. You used to wait a long time. You used to have waiting rooms on railway stations because the trains were so unreliable, maybe only in England. But you would have waiting rooms. We don't wait, we fill. We don't wait, we fill. We'll find things for us, ourselves to do because who wants to sit on a room or go on your knees and just be quiet and sometimes we just need to not even speak we just need to get on our knees or walk around a field or I don't know go out in the river and just say speak to me
says in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. So they that wait upon the Lord, doesn't even say those that do before the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord. You know, even as I speak those words, and even as you hear them, as tired as you are, big day and all of that, there is such a peace about it, isn't there? It's like, oh, it's like a drink of water. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. That word wait means to twist together like a rope. So I've got a rope, it's not a great rope. But there's two strands in there that are twisted together. Three strands. Before we wait on the Lord, after we wait on the Lord. Before, after. I didn't know there was a science to rope making. So this strand is twisted in a certain direction. To get it to stay together, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, why does it stay together? There's science in it. Who knew? To get these three to stay together, you, that's twisted one way. To get them to stay together, you twist it the other way. And I thought about that. Sometimes we have to bring our lives back into alignment with God. And sometimes it feels like he's twisting us the wrong way. He's doing things his way. If he didn't do that, it's the weakest strand would bear all the weight when it was used. Who's the weakest strand in this equation? You and me. But when we wait upon the Lord, we become part of his strength. Let's stand together tonight. They that wait, they that get themselves caught up in the things of God, they that get themselves woven into the things of the Spirit, shall renew their strength. Are you feeling a little afraid? Are you feeling a little afraid? I know. See, you cannot carry weight when you're like this. And all it takes is a, I'll come and wait on you, God. Actually, I need an alignment. I need to twist my weight. Not I will twist my weight. I want to allow you to twist me back into the things of your spirit so that everything comes together and I take the time church I really really mean this there is a wait on the word of waiting on God a wait W-E-I-G-H-T for waiting on God it's going to be our future as a church we might not do that in services necessarily although that might happen we might not always have 100 hours of adoration but if there is a people in their individual life waiting on God, nothing can stop them. So tonight, 
if you've been impacted by the word, if you would like prayer for, like we can't help you wait on God, you've got to do that. But maybe you recognise that and you're going, I just need something to get me across the line. Then you come forward, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you are full of fear. Come and get prayer. In that sense, set the reset button and then go out of here and bless God with your mouth. Declare over your life and walk in freedom from fear. Maybe you've been a time waster. And, you know, we need to be honest. Some of us, it's quite easy to get into wasting time. But you come forward and we'd love to pray with you. team's going to worship. Our pastors and our heads of department, our leaders will pray with you. There's no condemnation. Nothing I've said about the wasting of time is the guilt trip. Because we are in a dispensation of grace. We're under an open heaven. Maybe it's time for you to bring your umbrella down tonight. Stop protecting yourself from what God wants to release you into. Come and stand up the front. Come and make a commitment. Come and step across the line. Fear cannot hold us. The enemy is defeated. He's a liar and he never tells us the truth. But the one who does is here with us tonight. He wants to speak peaceably to your heart. Spend time as we worship. Spend time in His presence.